1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC.
2: It's Light like the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. To this one. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe on your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. It is... 8.01 a.m. on Friday morning. 8.01 here in Palo Alto, California. Uh, And it's 10.01 in Greater Austin, Texas, in Central Texas in the Central Time Zone. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a Friday edition of Light the Tower. On the horn, 104.9, 101.9 a.m. 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the horn app. And at hornfm.com. My name is Craig Way. So glad to have you alongside Jeff Howell. will be along shortly. Our producer behind the glass is Cameron Parker. Cam, how are you doing on this fine Friday
0: morning? Not too bad, Craig. I'm glad it is finally Friday, though. You just said it. So Does that mean, like, when we bump back from the first break, you're going to play,
2: thank God, it's Friday? going to bump back with that if you want me to craig if you want me to i i I, maybe it's appropriate maybe maybe it is appropriate and and i always say this and i will continue to say this because i know people for whom friday traditional friday for so many of us or many of you uh means hey the end of the work week i can chill out relax enjoy the weekend there are many out there for whom uh, Friday does not mean the end of the work week. It might mean the middle of the work week or even the start of the work week in some cases. So I salute you as well and hope that your Friday goes well, even if you're planning to work through the weekend. I'm planning to work through the weekend <laughs> uh, out here in Palo Alto, California. I'll work tomorrow and Sunday, and we'll see about Monday uh, if uh, if the NCA Super Regional Series between the Texas Longhorns and the Stanford Cardinal is extended to a decisive third game. Best of three super regional series get underway all across the country. Now, you should know this. This this should clue you in on something. If you are, uh, you know, thinking and hoping and all of this uh, about the possibility of Texas uh, getting back to Omaha for the College World Series for a 39th time, uh, extending their all-time record, understand that uh, – Of course, first and foremost, they have to win here this weekend. They have to find a way to win two games and three tries against a really good Stanford Cardinal team. And we're going to have more on that coming up. Uh, But if they do, and they do advance to Omaha for the College World Series, uh, I think you can safely assume that their first game will be a week from tomorrow. It would be Saturday, not Friday, and it's pretty easy to figure out, not only because Texas is playing on Friday, uh, Saturday this weekend, but their entire side of the bracket for what would be in Omaha is also starting tomorrow. So today, for example, on the right-hand side of the bracket, the 2-3-6-7 seed side of the bracket, all of those games start today or tonight. Florida... The uh, number two national seed is playing South Carolina, the number seven seed, and they start this evening or five o'clock Texas time this afternoon, in Gainesville. Duke and Virginia get underway uh, um, one hour from now. They'll be starting, and that's in Charlottesville, and uh, so that's so that's uh, going on in that one. And actually, uh, South Carolina would be the 15 seed nationally. Uh, Virginia is the number seven national seed. And playing Duke, which knocked out uh, Coastal Carolina to advance. So uh, you have uh, Florida and South Carolina, Duke and Virginia. And then at the bottom of that bracket, also starting uh, tonight, Oregon and Oral Roberts. Uh, both teams knocking out seeded teams as uh, Vanderbilt was the number six seed and Oral Roberts knocked out the 11 seed Oklahoma State, and uh, and then that'll match up with the winner of the super regional is going on in Fort Worth starting this afternoon at four o'clock. TCU, which knocked out the three seed Arkansas, taking on Indiana State, who is the 14 seed but who is traveling, and that story's been well discussed and and uh, talked about by now about how Indiana State hosted the regional but could not host the Super Regional due to Special Olympics going on in the state of Indiana, not having enough hotel space, they said, and being short-staffed. So TCU has an opportunity, a grand opportunity here uh, at its fingertips as they get ready to host Indiana State. So all of that starts today. And on the other side of the bracket for Omaha, all four of the remaining Super Regionals begin tomorrow. So not only is Texas and Stanford – getting underway tomorrow afternoon at 5 o'clock Texas time. Stanford the number eight seed. That matches up with the winner of the Super Regional going on in uh, Winston-Salem, North Carolina, with the number one overall national seed, Wake Forest, playing Alabama, the number 16 seed. And on the bottom side of that side of the bracket, you have the five seed, uh, LSU, taking on the 12 seed overall, Kentucky. That starts tomorrow afternoon at 2 o'clock, In Baton Rouge. And then at the very bottom of the bracket, you have another one of those unseeded matchups uh, like you would have with Oregon and Orr Roberts on the other side of the bracket. You have Southern Mississippi, which uh, of course advanced by knocking out the 13 seed Auburn, and Tennessee uh, advancing uh, with the Volunteers knocking out the four seed Clemson. And that super regional is in uh, Hattiesburg, Mississippi. So you got Southern Miss against Tennessee, you got LSU against Kentucky, Stanford in Texas, and Wake Forest in Alabama. That's on that left side of the bracket, and uh, that will that all gets underway tomorrow. So it is logical, and at this point you could say expected, that if Texas were to be able to get two wins here in Palo Alto this weekend, they would start next Saturday uh, in Omaha. But not to get ahead of ourselves because there's an awful lot at stake uh, for the Longhorns and they have an extremely difficult challenge uh, this weekend against Stanford coming up at the bottom of the hour in our Longhorn number. We're going to have a, uh, we're going to hear, I had a brief conversation yesterday with Zane Morehouse nightmare, the Longhorns closer. And um, he didn't do an awful lot of interviews. He's a, he's a pretty quiet kid and, and uh, you know, a, a, a kind of a country kid, really. He's from Dawson, Texas over in um, over in Hill County, and uh, and just you know kind of prefers to keep uh, to himself. He is a good teammate, and his teammates love him, and he they uh, he he enjoys being around them. But uh, but he's he's not much for the interview thing. But but agreed to do it, and we sat down and had a brief conversation. So uh, we'll bring that to you coming up, and uh, we'll kind of take a closer look at this. We're also going to hear a little bit later on in the program some comments from. Dylan Campbell, and also from Mitchell Daly. So we'll have that coming up uh, in the uh, in in the second hour in our longhorn notebook thing. Uh, it is a Friday. It means we have inconceivable, and uh, there there's there's a pretty um, well. I, I I thought about Jeff not because of the content of the story, but because I know that he would like the content uh, of the story. Not not that use of the phrase or words flesh eating bacteria makes me think of Jeff. It's not that it's just that I know that he would appreciate a good story uh, like that. And of course, with it being Friday cam, we know what Friday means when it comes to inconceivable. Got
0: to reach for that low hanging fruit,
2: very low, very hanging. It's Florida. We do have a Florida man, uh, story and that has to deal with the flesh eating bacteria. So we'll, uh, we'll get to that uh, coming up but there's other things uh to uh, to get to as well so there there's a lot of other things in in addition uh to the inconceivable um uh NBA finals uh, obviously continue this weekend hey Florida the Panthers showed they were alive and well in the Stanley Cup finals last night by getting an overtime goal to beat Vegas so they're still they're still alive and well there's major league baseball to discuss big series between the, uh, the Rangers and Rays uh, coming up between the top two teams in the American League, the top two records uh, in, in uh, baseball, and, and they'll get together as well. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, not that the mere mention of the words flesh-eating bacteria makes me think of my co-host, but it's just that I know he would have a good appreciation for the story. After all, he is the pride of Northwest Williamson County and a proud graduate of Florence High School. But you know him best for his outstanding work at Horns 24-7. That would be Jeff Howe. How you doing this morning, Jeffrey?
1: I'm good. I've got nothing to complain about. You know, speaking of things that I like that crack me up and yes. draw my attention, the wife was trying to have a serious, semi-serious conversation with me last night. She and, ought to know better by now. And uh, I look up on the TV, and she's got the TV muted, but there's a, it's a commercial, and there's kind of a, a people in an office conference room kind of sitting around the table, and for whatever reason, there's a cat – sitting like up like a person in a chair and talking mm-hmm. and like leading this board meeting which of course i thought was hilarious and started laughing to the point where my <laughs> wife treated me like she probably treats one of her middle schoolers she's like i'm gonna need you to pay attention here for just a few minutes <laughs> i'm gonna
2: need you to pay attention well, i didn't get to hear what the cat said i was like hey look he's leading the board meeting Expected him to have
1: like a portfolio in front of him, maybe wearing a little bow tie or something.
2: Oh, did you did you give her an answer kinda of like the uh kind of like the Norm MacDonald Burt Reynolds says he's uh, the named Herd Ferguson in the day. Yeah, it's kinda of funny. Look at that.
3: It's a Some, cat. Something <laughs> like that.
1: Um also I think I told you guys this. i I found a uh I just love this it's my favorite Instagram feed by far. It's called Beavers of Insta. It just shows beavers just doing random stuff like you're eating carrots, or
2: because you, know, you love it when the animal kingdom uh, attaches itself to human activities.
1: It, it's it doesn't get a whole lot better than that, honestly. It really doesn't. <laughs> oh boy! Like the one oh, the one good. that uh, had me. It, it literally, I, I was belly laughing the other day. It was a uh, was it a ground? It was a groundhog. I think it was a groundhog that a farmer in Connecticut had realized the groundhog was stealing his uh, some fruit from his garden and vegetables from the garden. So he put a surveillance camera. Well, the groundhog was—he'd like steal like carrots or tomatoes or potatoes, and would like go right in front of this surveillance camera and eat the eat the vegetables, taunting them. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I have a short attention span,
2: <laughs> but but easily attracted to t- to such things, right?
1: Yeah. I'm, I'm very I'm very I'm very juvenile in terms of what entertains me, Craig.
2: Oh, that's good. Uh, no, that's 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 really good. <laughs> Cam's looking at me
1: like I signed up to do a show with this dude. Like seriously, this is where this is where my career is taking me
0: right now. Did you go down a rabbit <laughs> hole of a hornet, wasp, tarantula? No, hey, we didn't tell Craig
1: about that. What what were they called? Uh, the tarantula the tarantula hawk? hawks. Tarantula hawks. You heard about these tarantula hawks, Craig?
2: No, but I love the name. It sounds like a. You know what? That should be. That should be a Texas high school football mascot name. You know, somewhere down in South Texas, the
0: tarantula hawks.
1: They're bigger, as Cam That's described And Cam, you said they're bigger than murder hornets, right? I
0: like, think that the pain, they're more painful than a murder Painful hornet. than a murder hornet. These Ooh. things are, like, huge,
1: and they prey on tarantulas. they like, swoop down, and
2: oh,
0: they'll sting see? them, like,
1: paralyze them, and then eat them. Yeah.
2: I feel bad for that. And, and, and for folks, you feel bad for it. Yeah, tarantulas are actually pretty helpful uh, arachnids. They they really are. I don't see uh, I
1: don't see many tarantulas down in my region in Hayes County, but I do know that when I did live in Northwest Williamson County, as I told Cam yesterday, the tarantula for see. whatever reason seemed to be a very big player in the uh, ecosystem in Northwest Williamson County.
2: I, I, I'm telling you, uh, and, and I lived in what would be I guess it'd be Southwest Williamson County in Cedar Park. And we were maybe two or three years into our home in Cedar Park. This would have been right around the turn of the millennia, two thousand two thousand. When well, my kids were young and small and all this, and um, one appeared on the back porch. Now, naturally, it freaks out small children and things like that. And and my late wife at the time, they are all like, "Kill it, kill it!" I am like, "No, I'm not gonna kill it." There's, they first of all, they're not out to get humans. Uh, secondly. They're not poisonous third and perhaps most important they can be pretty helpful in terms of uh, removal of other insects and things like that but i was afraid that if it stuck around there it might bite our dog or the dog bite it or something bad happened so uh we captured it and unlike what i did with the with the scorpion because just no real good use for me for a scorpion and, and jeff by the way recently Got hit
1: by a scorpion. I, I didn't even tell you. you I, took a... I haven't even talked to you since yesterday. I got tagged yesterday morning, getting ready. Good
2: lord! On the on again? the finger,
1: on the finger, the swelling is uh, non-existent now. But wow, I have a knuckle on my left index finger.
2: Did all right? So did you did you exterminate that scorpion like you did the other one?
1: No, that little bastard ran off. I'm still looking for him.
0: Oh, okay. The hunt, the hunt right.
1: continues. I may, I may get some uh, some eye black and a headband, go like Rambo style through the house, like guerrilla warfare on this scorpion.
0: It's still that's in your part. house, I guess. Well, That's mm, a little scary. Yeah. I,
1: I'm telling you, I have, my wife and I figured it out within the last week and a half. We're probably, give or take a couple, right around 15 scorpions killed.
0: Oh, I don't know. Wow. How, how do you sleep at night?
1: Uh, I haven't been sleeping very well, actually. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Wow, that's, that, that's amazing. I, I think probably all the years there in Cedar Park we came across two or three. Not many, but, but the one that counted was the one that stung me on the leg at 5 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning. And, I, you know, I woke up like about – it was about 5.15 in the morning and woke up and felt it crawling on my leg. And the first thing that came to my mind was scorpion. But before I could even move, it stung me before I could even startle it. And that that also made me mad, too, because so I got up and had a nice, good welt. And, thing. Good and that's when I was yelling, God. I want him alive. I want him alive. Don't kill him. And there he was in the middle of the bed, so I captured him alive, and and I put him in that little box thing where he had plenty of oxygen and then put him in the freezer. Got a text on was. the
1: Specs text line, Craig. Texer yeah. says, I've been stung over 30 times in my life by scorpions. Wow. 30. God love you. It's Man, a dirty, dirty 30, Cam. What do you think about that? Wow.
2: That's that's difficult, man. Just to get stung once was it really bothered me. And like I said, I put that one in the freezer and let him die a slow, agonizing, painful death. And, and to I
1: answer Bizarro Dale Dudley, um, we did have an exterminator come to the house about three weeks ago, and and cle- okay. clearly, uh, I won't throw the the company under the bus. Obviously, it's nobody that okay. advertises here on on our airwaves. Uh, okay, but uh, yeah, they clearly did a fine job. <laughs> <laughs> that's
2: what they were tasked with doing <laughs> well uh so so what i did with the tarantula was i captured it in a jar and it kind of took my kids on a little uh nature walk went across the road into this wooded lot where there were trails and stuff it's all houses by the way now it's all built up over there development over there uh and uh but i took it over there in the in in down these trails that the kids would go hiking and stuff and walk around, and released it in a hollow log, uh, down uh, over in a wooded area off of the trail, there. So you know that, that tarantulas can be uh, tarantulas can be very helpful. But so you're telling me these tarantula, would you say tarantula hawks? These insects, that uh, that, that are that are are these tarantula hawks that are coming down and killing tarantulas is that the deal
0: No they're 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 insects correct they're basically okay. they, they look like a a wasp almost Okay all right but they're larger you're saying I I don't think they're they're not that big they're not okay. from what I've seen but they just call them tarantula hawks because well they the the female they swoop down the female will lay its larva inside a tarantula and basically just effectively kill it but their stings apparently will give you paralysis for about five, ten minutes. And it's, wow. supposedly, and I have not experienced it, so I can't say it, but it's supposed to be the most painful, non-lethal sting that you can ever receive from an insect. Oh.
1: So you're not going to die, but you might wish you were dead kind of thing?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's what's the line from, uh, from uh, that Jafar says in Aladdin, you'd be surprised what you could live through. Uh, By the way, Cam,
1: Stoner wanted you to know that uh, I... Uh, I didn't go down a rabbit hole, it was a beaver hole.
0: Yeah. That was a great text. Hey. Test. Uh so we're going uh, on my coffee. I should have I, that one should have come to my head. So I apologize yeah. to everybody. It's on that note that we should remind folks that the Specs
2: text line is open. 512 <laughs> 337 Um the uh, okay, so like I said coming up here at the at the bottom of the hour we're going to have uh uh we'll we'll have a conversation with Zane Morehouse and we'll we'll talk more about that. However, I should uh, just to kind of give folks a little bit of a uh, a a preview of things with this uh, longhorn baseball team. They did arrive here uh in uh, northern California yesterday and uh, the team uh came to the hotel and uh dropped off their bags and changed into their practice gear. And then went over to Archbishop Mitty High School, which is in San Jose, which is just down the road a, a little bit. It's about 20, 25-minute drive, really, from from the hotel. The reason why, I've had several people ask me, why did they practice at a local high school yesterday? Uh, to put it in its simplest terms, because the NCAA would not allow them to practice at Stanford. Not Stanford. The NCAA. There's There's a rule that uh that that's first of all you should know there's there's a there's a, a a rule book, a manual that goes for uh postseason play as administered by the NCAA. And uh I've had copies of it and things like that. I've got a copy of the manual this year. And the the manual uh they they kinda use the same not kind of, they do. They use the same manual for the regional and the super regional now that's important to remember because of what i'm about to tell you they have a completely different manual for the college world series in omaha uh, with regard to certain things and procedures and stuff like that um, they have the same manual for the regional and the super regional and uh, the reason why i uh, you know uh, get a good look at the manuals to see what restrictions we have and in, in terms of the broadcast policy and the things that we're allowed to do now Granted, after over twenty years of doing these games, I kind of know the procedure. But but they but they are they are nuanced. Sometimes things change. Well, in the manual, what the what the NCA rule says about lots of different things. Uh, they'll say in the regional, blah 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 blah, and at the super regional, the uh, site director has the option of this and this and this, or the host institution has the option of so-and-so. For example, uh, today is practice day and press conference day. Now, I've always called it that, practice and press conference day, because it used to be called that. It isn't really called that anymore, and the reason why, while the practices still take place, and every team that's involved in a regional or a super regional wants its practice time on the field. Uh, you get, what is it, Jeff, 40 minutes in the basketball arena, NCAA tournament you, you, at a regional. You get 40 minutes on the floor. I think per when you have eight teams at one site for first and second round. I thought it was um, an hour. I think it's I, it was 50 minutes for a long time. And then I think it got reduced to 40. Maybe I'm just thinking about the Big 12. But in any event, uh, maybe it's, it is 50 minutes. But uh, you get an hour and 15 minutes. Each team at a regional and a super regional. And, and they can make it work. Obviously, in Miami last week, each team got an hour and 15 minutes uh, on the field. And you start in the morning, and it goes till late in the afternoon. You get your hour and 15 minutes on the field. And uh, the only ones who kind of got uh, the short end of that stick last week, uh, Jeff, was Maine. Uh, and I guess the 4C, not that they were given less time. It's just that when they were on the field, that's when the skies opened up and it started raining really hard and they had to go inside. And they couldn't finish their work on the field. I don't think that's the reason they went two and barbecue. They were, after all, Maine and uh, and lost to Miami and then got eliminated uh, by Louisiana. But, uh, but they didn't get their full hour 15 on the field. They had to finish their workout time in the indoor facility with, with batting practice. So you get an hour and 15 minutes now. For the super regional, you're down to two teams. Pretty easy to manage that hour and 15 minutes. Uh, and both Stanford and Texas will have their hour and 15 minutes on the field today. They This used to be called practice and press conference day. They don't really call it that anymore. And, uh, and the reason is, and it's in the manual, it is left to the regional or super regional host to determine whether a formal press conference is even needed, and they don't have to have one. Remember, Jeff, you were with me in Greenville last year. Remember, it was a, it was one big um, clump of reporters gathered together down on the field. Afterwards, there wasn't really a press conference. Per I, wasn't, se.
1: I wasn't there for press conference day in Greenville. That's
2: right. You hadn't gotten in yet. Yeah. Well, they 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 did that. <laughs> they did that and. Uh, there were several of us talking yesterday during the Logworns practice about how there was one reporter from Greenville that was just relentless. He was kind of like, uh, the, his, to hear it described, the leader of the pack of the local media there was unhappy that they had to wait for Coach Pierce, who was required by the manual, to meet with the ESPN personnel first. And so he did. And then when he came over and the guy was grumbling and just kept in, in the way it was described to me. And Roger said it too. He said the guy wouldn't let it go. He just kept going and kept going and kept going. And they finally looked like, dude, there's nothing to do about it, okay? That's the way it is. So, but they didn't have a formal press conference. Now, we know when, when the Longhorns have hosted uh, regionals and super regionals, they, they have that pre-tournament press conference. And, uh, and And they did have it in Miami last week. They had a pre-tournament press conference for each team. Well, again, it's at the discretion of the host institution. And uh, it's been decided there will be no formalized press conference today, but that each each team's media relations uh, uh, director or media relations contact, in this case Kevin Rodriguez for Texas, will make Coach Pierce and, and players available to media. So they'll do it. They'll do it down you know, on the field by the dugout after the practice, that kind of thing. So that's an example of how things can be flexible and moved around uh, between the regional and the super regional, which brings me to yesterday. The Longhorns wanted to practice at Stanford late yesterday afternoon or early yesterday evening. Now, in the manual, it says, uh, you know, that that the four teams are not allowed to practice before the actual practice and press conference day due to, you know, they don't have enough time to do uh, all of that uh, the day before the actual practice and press conference day. But there's only two teams. So Texas contacted David Esker, the head coach at Stanford, and said, would you guys have any problem with us using the field? That's a common courtesy that happens during conference play. You use the team's facility the night before the game. Texas extends it to the teams coming into Austin, and and other teams do it when Texas, I, you know, people have seen posts from me, social media, when uh, the Longhorns have been in Stillwater this year, in Fort Worth, in uh, Lawrence, Kansas, where that Fullerton, you know, where anyway, where we've, where we've posted that stuff the day before. So – Texas requested that and said, could we do it? And David Esker said, yes. Stanford said, sure, you can use our field, no problem. NCAA said, no. They said, no, you can't do it. Uh, it, it, w- it would be an unfair advantage. <laughs> and, and, and everybody looked at me and unfair advantage to who? To Texas? Over Stanford, who's already practicing on the field today? Where's, <laughs> where's the advantage or disadvantage? But anyway, that's uh, supposedly there's a lot of folks that are Right by the book here, so it's even NT2A, though 2
1: a you're trying to apply apply logic to an illogical situation.
2: Yeah, so so they said that's okay. Whatever. We'll we'll uh, and through some connections, they went over to San Jose to Archbishop Mitty High School, uh, in San Jose. Uh, interestingly enough, that I think I don't know if he's the athletic director or uh, uh, coordinator, or whatever the uh, with Archbishop Mitty. A gentleman there that was a longtime baseball coach at San Jose State was there, and he and David Pierce knew each other really well from when Coach Pierce was at Rice, uh, and there were other people that knew uh, uh, people that Chris Gordon, Longhorns assistant coach, knew uh, some of the people there. So it was it was a lot of fun yesterday. They went out and they had a really good uh, practice yesterday. But this field was pretty interesting. I haven't seen a field quite like this before. It was well manicured, a great uh, you know the the outfield and everything. It was natural grass. Natural grass, which is what Texas wanted, a natural grass field, obviously, and dirt, because that's what they'll be playing on uh, tomorrow at Sunken Diamond. And uh, it had all of that, <clears throat> with a couple of exceptions. The base paths from home plate to first and third to home were field turf. The rest of the infield was dirt. The dirt infield plus the the grass in in the interior of the infield, like normal. That just sounds like regular. Like, sounds infield.
1: like somebody was doing a bit when they put that thing together.
2: I, I, well, I, I, yeah, in and, and where they were able to uh, keep the cost down, I think you know because of the. Ma- I've heard Keith Moreland say this a lot that 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 the maintenance that it takes to do those those baselines from home plate to first and third home is a lot more labor intensive than you might imagine because the way it's got to be mowed and maintained and all that stuff. So they had field turf in between there. So that was unusual. They had um they had a batting cage that was I, I know both of you guys will will appreciate this. Um Jeff, when you go to when you go to coaching school, but but even for you as well, Cam, when the when the two of you guys are at, when you watch the state high school football championships, what is one of the most striking elements that you see at that event or in the exhibit hall it I'll I'll just jump ahead to the end and tell you the answer it's those big inflatable things right that the teams run through the big inflatable tunnel deals yeah and for sure and, and they're and, and they're pretty pretty creative I think one of the most creative of all time was the big gigantic zebra for the Grandview zebras and all that well they uh Archbishop Mitty has an inflatable batting cage and it's it's like you had the real the 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 screen the netting of the cage itself, but all of what would be the support bars were like an inflatable, like you'd run through it like a tunnel. So the coaches were fascinated by it. And Caleb Longley, uh, Longhorn's assistant was saying, "Yeah, it's there. A company in Las Vegas that they do it, and it's and it's not cheap either. It's like somewhere around uh, eight thousand dollars or something. One of those, but it was." It was pretty cool, pretty interesting. they all thought it was now it did deflate a couple of times <laughs> once when Cam Constantine was taking swings and they had to reinflate it, um, but it was but it was pretty cool. And then the thing I liked the most, they had uh, the the foul lines were kind of short. They, we, we asked a, a couple of the uh, a couple of the folks with the school, and they said it was about 270 down the left field foul line. And about 235 down the right field line. Hey and now. about 280, yeah, and about 280 to center. And the reason for that is there were houses and administrative buildings beyond the outfield fence and groves of trees. We were told they actually had to move the fences in a little bit. It was around 300 or 310. They had to move it in because of the roots of these old trees that had been out there. But the best part of all of it was beyond the left field fence, and I, I posted this on, on uh, my Facebook page. There's a goal post, and the reason why is because the outfield doubles as Archbishop Mitty's football practice field. Their football stadium was well beyond the right field fence and on, way on out there a little bit, but right center. And they had nice football, nice little uh, you know, private school football stadium. But, but their practice field was the outfield. So there was a goal post beyond the left field fence, kind of facing back toward home plate. So I looked at that. And I said to Dylan Campbell when he stepped in to take his swings, I said, hey, D.C., why don't you see if you can put one through the uprights? He said, if I do, does it count for three? And um, there was a Longhorn who did put one through it, and I was trying to remember who it was. It might have been Kate O'Hara. Somebody somebody did it in batting practice. David Pierce did not want his team, you know, going for cheap home runs in practice. He wanted them to work on line drives. He said – two reasons one we want to try to continue working on line drives and two uh he will run out of baseballs otherwise (laughs) um uh ace whitehead put two beyond the right field fence off of the out into the field but most of the time they were just you know swinging live drives so it was it was an interesting field but they got in a really good workout yesterday hey craig would you like to know
1: the uh would you like to play the game of the most famous alum from Archbishop Mitty? Cam and I did this a little bit yesterday. Tell me. Who is it? Uh, you probably got uh, your pick of, let's see, Carrie Walsh Jennings. Okay. Uh, of Olympic Beach Great Volleyball. Beach fame. Volleyballer. Uh-huh. Uh, you've also got, let's see, there was somebody else I was looking at here, Brandy Chastain.
2: Wow. Okay.
1: All uh. Right. Yeah. Looks like it's going to be a, a two. Oh, Aaron Gordon of the Nuggets. So.
2: Okay. Take your pick there between you go. those three. Well, it is. It has been one of those outstanding total athletic programs in the state of California, and we know what a lot of those are. Obviously, uh, you know, uh, from De La Salle and, and Encino Crespi, and and uh, several uh, St. John Bosco, and a lot of those down in Southern California. But uh, Junipero Serra is up here. And that's a, that's a really good one, uh, high school athletic program. And then, and then there's Archbishop Mitty. So, yeah. So, they got their workout in there. Good practice yesterday. And uh, they'll have their 75 minutes on the field today on the farm, uh, as they call it, over there at Stanford. All right. When we come back, we'll have our Longhorn Notebook. Uh, we'll uh, hear from uh, Zane Morehouse. And uh, then we'll get you ready for the rest of this Friday, of course, alongside Jeff Howe. And also, Cam Parker, back in the ARN studio compound. Craig Way with you out here in Palo Alto, California. And this is Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. light the tower. Thank God it's love the bass voice on that. Let's hear it again right here. <laughs> That's a uh, great voice there. It is Friday. Here on Light the Tower. On the horn. Craig Wade, Jeff Howe with you. The big question this morning could Jeff Howe disco if he needed to?
1: Negative, Mr. Ryder.
2: No, not down with that. No, couldn't do that. I no okay.
1: concept of the disco era.
2: Okay. All right. Because so this was. Right in the wheelhouse of it there. But we were just making the, the uh, connection here because it is This Disco was Friday. dead
1: by the time I was brought into this world, Craig.
2: I <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. understand. Uh, all right. Uh, it's time now for our first hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Now uh Jeffrey before we get to the uh conversation here with uh, Zane Morris did you have uh was there something else that that was brewing here in the notebook this morning i
1: will save it for the next hour.
2: Okay. All right, cuz all we have next hour we just have a couple of quick comments from uh one from Dylan Campbell and one from Mitchell Daly. So, uh we'll do that. But um uh like I said the uh the, the longhorns had their uh, practice here yesterday uh at, over at uh, Archbishop Mitty High School and today they'll be uh on the field. Uh, at Klein Field at Sunken Diamond is the actual full name there, uh, there in Palo Alto, and they'll be headed over there. I think their practice time will be what will be three to four fifteen Central Time this afternoon. I think it will actually. I think it's one to two fifteen local time here, on that. Uh, w- w- right at the conclusion of practice yesterday, I got a, a chance before the team got on the bus to get to get a few words uh, with with a guy we haven't visited with that much and that's Zane Morehouse and uh it's for a variety of reasons uh and and not the least of which is he normally is not the biggest fan in the world of doing a lot of interviews and and, and Jeff you've you've visited uh with uh Morehouse before haven't you you and the, the 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 reporter gaggle I mean I know the opportunities have not been that frequent but you you've had a, a at least an opportunity or two to to uh, visit with Morehouse, haven't you? Maybe
1: maybe once or twice, briefly nothing yeah. that stands out to me though.
2: Right, exactly. Because because and that's kind of the way he prefers it. Um and uh but um I you know coming through what he's come through and and you think about it here's a guy from Dawson, Texas, which is over there in in rural Hill County on the east side of Hill County. Like you're heading up to Corsicana uh there from Waco uh or Hillsboro. And um he's uh you know, went to two different junior colleges, as we know. Uh and uh and then and then has had his ups and downs, has had some brilliant moments, both as a starter and as a reliever for Texas. And then he's had some absolute rock bottom moments, and I think all of us can remember the Saturday afternoon game in Waco against Baylor, which was almost two months ago to the day. So, uh, you know, and, and it, he's been through some difficult things. Um, obviously, confidence is, is some of it, but his teammates supported him all the way through. And then uh, David Pierce mentioned the other day how sometimes it can be the smallest of mechanical adjustments to make a difference. And and Woody Williams, pitching that he is, and the Long pitching coach, have been carefully monitoring studying a lot of that and so they worked with Zane pretty recently and the result was really impressive what he did down in uh, Miami in the Coral Gables regional and so uh, with that in mind as the team was getting ready to head the bus I had an opportunity to just uh, ask a few questions of Zane and get his mindset and, and his thoughts of, about what he's come through and getting ready for this super regional. One of the uh, obvious first questions everybody always asks teams that he always at this time of year how they feel and how they're feeling physically, especially goes for pitchers. So, uh, with the amount of innings uh, that you've logged this year, you feel pretty good here as we head down the home stretch of the season.
3: Yeah, i um, feel pretty good. Feel solid. You know, feel strong. Um, really excited to get out there this weekend. You know, real big situation. You know, not everybody gets to go to a super regional, so that's really big and. All the guys really excited, ready to go.
2: You know, one thing that I always hear pitchers talk about is confidence and how important it is in terms of not just the mechanics of what you're doing and things like that, but uh, was there a situation where you called on your inner strength to help supply the confidence for what you've been able to do over the past few outings?
3: Um, I would definitely like to give a uh, shout outs to my teammates for that, honestly, because uh, you know, when I was struggling there for a little bit, each and every one of them came up to me and was like, hey, we believe in you, like, you got it, it's going to turn around eventually, you're going to make the adjustments, and that really gave me a lot of confidence going into the next outings, and then, you know, the rest is kind of history. Yeah,
2: and, and I imagine you're one of those guys that helps try to pick up another teammate when they might be going through some struggles.
3: Yeah, definitely, because, um, I mean, this is my fifth year in college, yeah been around the block a lot, so I've seen a lot of things and being able to help them out a lot is it's a, something I definitely take pride in. One
2: thing coach was talking about is sometimes it's just the smallest of adjustments, mechanical adjustments. Would that also one of the things that helped really flip this for you?
3: Yeah, definitely. Um, me, Gordo, and Woody um, we made a couple of small, small adjustments and it's helped out a lot and then that backed up with the confidence from my teammates I think that's where the overall successes came from the last few weeks.
2: Alright, I've been in dawson texas before i've been in hill county so how different is northern california for folks who don't understand that from from anywhere in texas let alone obviously dawson
3: oh it's completely different it's definitely a culture shock if you ever get to experience it um (laughs) it's kind of wild honestly
2: (laughs) he uh he when i first started to ask him that question jeff he just started laughing uh and uh and 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 so then that kind of tickled me a little bit here, but here's a guy who started off at Dyersburg State College in Tennessee, then he went to Bossier Parish, actually started at Parish, then went to Dyersburg State, and um, and then uh, here, here he is, uh, as he said, a fifth-year guy, so he's kind of been around a little bit, and uh, and, has, and has been through the ringer a little bit as well, but uh, is in a uh, had it described to me as a really good place mentally, both confidence-wise and just uh, as a teammate and and all that sort of stuff. And and you like to see that. And you like to see good things happen to guys uh, who especially have had the struggles and try to get through it. And and uh, we know it has always been. It, 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 uh, hasn't it always been, Jeff? The the deal where you say. There's no question about the stuff <laughs> that always comes out because he's got that mid nineties fastball and he's got when it's working a devastating slider, best slider on the ball club. Uh, when when he's got command of it there, but but the key word obviously is command on something like that.
1: Yeah, and it, it frustrates the staff. Uh, it frustrates the player because you've seen him do it, and and the one thing you keep hearing, you, you heard this with LBJ. Excuse me, until he got kind of got right. You know, towards the, the middle part of the year and then halfway through Big 12, he's in a rotation and we saw what he did last weekend in Coral Gables. But that was a thing that David Pierce always said about LBJ. Look, there's no, there's nothing wrong with his stuff or really the mechanics. It's just, can you do all that stuff repeatable? Can it be, right. become repeatable? Can it become second nature? And can you just get to the point where you're not really thinking about anything? You're just up there, you're, you're just pitching. You're just trusting your ability. Uh, like you said, Craig, that, that slider for him, his, his off-speed stuff, his breaking ball, it can be a wipeout pitch for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, your, the hope is it, – it, I think it's easier for starters to, uh, to maybe, if you have a bad outing, to kind of get back up on the horse because you know you're going to have an extended leash. Whereas if you're a bullpen hand – you know, the next time you're going to be up there, most likely is in another high leverage situation. So I think the mental part of it for guys coming out of the bullpen is, is a little bit rougher. But uh, you gotta you gotta respect the way that you know Zane's kind of gone through it and and you know contributing to this team. Uh, Travis Stelly's gone through to I me. Mean, I think every single mm-hmm. person in that bullpen this year, every single person on his staff too. Because I mean, you know, as good as Gino's been, you know, he had the game out in Fullerton, and he, he's had some games mm-hmm. where he wasn't as sharp the game
2: as game in would, Kansas. Yeah, he's a Friday some, game. Some
1: games where he wasn't as sharp as he would want to be. So that's that's the thing though. If you can just keep getting back up on that horse at some point, if you if you've got the stuff and you've got the mechanics, if if you put the work in and everything becomes repeatable and then it becomes second nature, then you can you can get to that point where you get over the hump.
2: LBJ, another example of that. A guy who had bounced between midweek and uh, starter and bullpen guy and then weekend starter and he'd had some struggles. But again some minor adjustments, but also a confidence thing, and, and it makes a big difference for them. And if those guys pitch like they did in Coral Gables last week, those three guys that you mentioned in specific, they're going to need more than three, but, I mean, if those three guys in specific, Lucas Gordon, uh, LeBaron Johnson, and Zane Morehouse, if, they, if those three pitch as effectively as they did last week, and then Texas definitely has a chance. Uh, no question about that. Uh, before we get to the break, a couple of uh, congratulations uh, go to a couple of NCAA champions. Uh, uh, Leo Neugebauer and uh, Akili Smith uh, were uh, NCAA champions. Neugebauer, uh did a tremendous job in the decathlon. Set only, not only the NCAA meet and Texas record, but the NCAA collegiate record. And so... Uh, He is, he's done a tremendous job and then Smith also winning the long jump. So uh, that, that's important. And, and for folks who are keeping uh, track of this, um, you know, in terms of, you know, what what are the chances of, of, uh, you know, winning a, uh, winning a national championship, uh, the women's team certainly has an opportunity uh, to do that. Uh, And then I know some folks are also uh, interested in, seeing uh, what the chances are of repeating uh, winning a third straight Director's Cup. Uh, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, I think going into the NCAA Track and Field Championships this weekend and the Super Regional out here, the combination has to be something along the lines of the women, I think, pretty much have to win the national title, and they, they are ranked number one. Uh, the men have to have a a, a decent showing baseball out here because it's a head-to-head competition with Stanford who who leads the overall directors cup competition the Longhorns would need to win the super region get to omaha and maybe win a couple of games finish no lower than like a tie for 5th i think to have uh, to to be able to surpass stanford so those are the odds and the odds may be against it uh, but it's but it's good going into these very late spring sport additions here as uh, we draw closer to the actual start of the summer that they still have a shot to do
0: that. I think so, correct that Stanford would clinch the Directors Cup if yes. they defeat Texas this week in the Super that Regional. That is correct. Cameron is right. That
2: yes. is correct. Yep, yep. One of one of the uh, you know, one of the prerequisites for trying to make it three in a row. Texas will have to win the Super Regional here. You're right. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. All right. Coming up, we do have inconceivable, including a Florida man story. That will uh, make your flesh crawl, literally. Uh, That's next when we continue to light the tower on the Horn, 1049-1019-AM-1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.
1: Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means.
2: Here's what it means, or at least some of what it means, anyway. Jeff, we're all very aware of the authoritative... Uh, authoritarian and oppressive government that is running North Korea, correct? Kim Jong un, right? Mm-hmm. And, and how difficult? Well, now, perhaps, comes the most oppressive and authoritative edict of all from the ruler, the leader of North Korea, Kim Jong un. Kim Jong un has made it illegal to commit suicide. He's, he's banned suicide. Calls it an act of treason against socially, uh, socialism. Uh, the number of suicides in North Korea is believed to be skyrocketing. And Kim has told local authorities to take action to prevent people from killing themselves. He issued a secret order to local authorities that would ban suicides after data showed the numbers were skyrocketing. Now, the exact number of suicides in North Korea... It's difficult to ascertain as the regime rarely offers insight into their shortcomings. However, uh, the South Korean National Intelligence Service estimated in May that suicides had increased by about 40% from the previous year. So Kim has called it an act of treason against socialism in the directive. And you people better stop killing yourselves. It's against the law. What he said that if this continues, that local government officials would be held jointly accountable for failing to prevent people from killing themselves in their jurisdiction. So, huh. for those of you, you should know, you know, can't kill yourself.
1: Well, so. that seems, seems, I mean, if somebody if somebody does it, how are you going to punish them if you ban it? Because,
2: Hence, it's an inclusion in today's inconceivable yeah. file, so. you know. <laughs> yeah, how are you going to do that? So that's why I dropped it in there, uh, on that. Was it Kim Jong
1: Un uh, or was it his dad that lied about it, like he made a hole in one on a par five or something?
2: Yeah, Kim Jong Un. I guess it was. Was it, was it, was it the, the dad that? I can't remember said which one that, that did it. Yeah, yeah. Hole
1: in one on a par five, Kim, Happy Gilmore style.
0: Yeah, that's it. That's how that happened. Probably just not possible, but it's all right. We'll give it to him. <laughs> yeah. i How is <laughs> it anybody going
1: uh, to cheat at golf? You're just a you're just a dishonorable person. Um, golf.
0: I wonder what a, yeah. a twosome between him and Donald Trump would be like. Ooh, it just would be the driving lowest. Driving on the greens, just dropping your ball in the yeah. hole. A, it would be. The Put lowest. me down for a two. You know. Yeah. Uh,
2: uh, here's some more jurisprudence for you. Here, uh, officials from the TSA, the Transportation <laughs> why do feel Security.
1: Like, well, I do feel like that would end like the uh, the bowling alley scene in The Big Lebowski, where it's like, give me a marker, a marking at an eight. You marked out an eight. You're entering a world of pain. <laughs> I <laughs> think I'm messing around here, marking a two.
2: <laughs> and if you had Big Lebowski on your uh, a reference on your uh, Light the Tower bingo card, you can now mark that off. Today, <laughs> the uh, officials from the Transportation Security Administration, the TSA in South Dakota, stopped a passenger from getting onto a plane at the Sioux Falls airport. Uh, The reason why they stopped, during the routine screening of carry-on luggage, Tuesday of this week, a TSA officer at the Sioux Falls Regional Airport spotted a silhouette of a handgun on the x-ray screen. So they pulled it out. Yeah, it was a handgun and fully loaded. So somebody was taking a fully loaded handgun through security. Uh, And you say, well, that's not that unusual. Yeah, especially at the Sioux Falls Regional Airport, Jeff, you see – It's the fourth time this year it's happened. A total of nine firearms have been confiscated by authorities at the same airport uh, there. Uh, And the TSA recently announced the penalty for bringing weapons to an airport has increased, with the fine being as high as $14,950 for a single infraction. Of the law, depending on the circumstances in each case. What did Barry Switzer uh, get hit
1: with many years back yeah,
2: when he did that? Yeah, uh, I think he got a, a, there might have been a fine. It was 14950 bucks. He was detained uh, for that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, why? Why are you taking a loaded handgun through security? And so, anyway, uh, there's that. Um, meanwhile, a, a traffic... Uh, stop happened in south carolina north myrtle beach near where i go on vacation
1: i i had actually with barry switzer so this was from the ap december 3rd yeah. 1997 he pled guilty to a misdemeanor uh fine thirty five hundred dollars given one year deferred adjudication uh, meaning if he completes probation successfully the charge will be erased from his record so there, there you, you go
2: yeah yeah thirty five hundred dollar fine okay um in North Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, one of their officers is being celebrated after a traffic stop led to the rescue of a woman allegedly forced to drive a shooting suspect away from a crime scene. Uh, it happened on Wednesday, so they have a Facebook post for, for what they call Way to Go Wednesday. Uh, Officer Wallace, it says, for her actions, she conducted a traffic stop on a white Jeep that went through a red light in an intersection on the highway. And while talking with people in the car, Wallace noticed the woman that was driving the Jeep appeared distressed. And when the man in the passenger seat wasn't looking her way, the driver looked at the police and mouthed the words, help me, multiple times. So the officer caught the woman's message, removed the man from the car, placed him in the back seat of the patrol vehicle. They went back to the Jeep, spoke to the woman who frantically told her that the man had just shot somebody. So afterward, Dispatch, put a bolo. You know what a bolo is. Be on the lookout. A Indeed. Bolo, yeah. A bolo alert uh, out over the radio for a car that was involved in a shooting inside the Waterway House, which is a restaurant in the area, and the man identified as 29-year-old Collins Bates. That's one of your shady name Collins Bates. So do you put arrest. a
1: do you put a bolo out on a vehicle and an APB out on a person?
2: I think that's right. Okay. That's right. Be on the lookout. For, yes, yeah, is for a car. That's it. You're exactly right. Uh, gun found on the car matched the caliber of the casing found at the scene of a shooting. So she was uh, celebrated. It was nicely done for her. Uh, got two things for you here. One, runners near Superior, Colorado are having a hard time just running on the Boulder Open Space Trail uh, and the Metal Arc Trail. It's a Boulder Open Space Trail, but it's on the Metal Ark Trail. The reason why they're having a hard Metal time...
1: Metal Lemon? Former Harlem Globetrotter?
2: Uh, no, just the Metal Ark Trail. Oh, okay. But uh, the reason they're having a hard time doing this, Jeff, and my brother sent this story to me, uh, they're being accosted by or attacked by cattle. There's cattle in the area. And a runner this week was attacked by a small herd of cattle. Uh, 15 to 20 cows surrounded this woman. And most seem to be mothers with their calves. Uh The rangers responded within 15 minutes. The runner taken to the hospital. But trail users have been reporting aggressive cattle. So be on the lookout. A bolo look for aggressive cattle in Colorado. Just understand that.
1: Angry angry cows.
2: Don't want to mess with that. Okay. It is Friday. It's Florida Friday. So here we go. Reach
1: down, Cam. Grab that low-hanging fruit. Scoop it up off the ground.
2: Because here it comes. Uh, A Florida man had to undergo emergency surgery. By the way, this took place in southern... Pinellas County. Hillsboro.
1: Damn, I'm close. No, no, no.
2: No, no, you're right. Pinellas. I beg your pardon. Pinellas. Southern Pinellas County. Near Riverview, Florida. Uh, A Florida man had to undergo emergency surgery to address a potentially deadly flesh-eating bacterial infection. You say, oh, yeah, that's it. You know, go out in the water, you never know. what you might. No, no, it had nothing to do with that. Donnie Adams of Riverview first developed a small, painful bump on his left thigh two days after he was trying to intervene in a tussle between two of his family members, and he was bitten. A person's bite caused this. He was by uh, a couple of days later, He's barely able to walk, had to be taken to the hospital for emergency surgery, where surgeons had to cut out around 70% of his thigh to save his leg Damn. and possibly his life. Doctors at HCA Florida Northside Hospital said they've never before seen a case of the flesh-eating bacteria known as necrotizing fasciitis. Uh, it's it's also a band playing in Austin this weekend, necrotizing fasciitis. But they've never seen uh, an example of flesh-eating bacteria caused by a human bite. Speaking of the relatives involved in the fracas, he broke up. Adam said, the parties involved are very
1: sorrowful, you think?
2: <laughs> Somebody bit him when he was trying to break saying, up a fight. Family members, and he gets a flesh-eating if bacteria.
1: If I'm breaking up a fight... somebody bites me and I lose 70% of my thigh. somebody's getting their ass whooped as soon as that leg heals. Yeah.
2: He said they felt very sorrowful. No word on whether he made them feel sorrowful. Even if they take
1: the leg and I got to whoop you with a stump or a prosthetic, somebody's going to feel my wrath. (laughs)
2: There it is. All right, there's your inconceivable. That's hour number one of Light the Tower. Second hour coming up on The Horn.